And when you think of having kids, that's what you think of. You think of those joyous moments where your kids are having a great time with one another, or you think of the times when they're serious and they're learning some new skill and their mind is completely absorbed in it. Or maybe they're acting and they just love the drama of acting. You know, they play dress up and you're just seeing their developing mind unfold before you, but it doesn't just unfold. Parents have tremendous influence on their kids. And my children went to what I, uh, what is called a Montessori school, and it's a method that approaches child rearing as um, really focusing on your children, not catering to them, but helping them develop their mind and their interests. And with me today is a Montessori teacher. She's been a Montessori teacher for 10 years. She has her master's in education, and she has taken all of her Montessori training and is now a parenting coach. And her name is Cornelia Lockich, and she has a website, www.guideyourchild.com and she her specialty is with preschoolers and toddlers but all of us can learn from that and Cornelia you were a Montessori teacher and now you have your own daughter I do right yes I do and you offer three simple secrets you call them to managing kids uh, that you basically learned from the Montessori from being a Montessori teacher can you talk about one of those Sure. Uh, the first one is use advanced preparation. Now, I think most parents understand this principle of advanced preparation on a certain level, but not nearly as broadly as they could. For example, they might know that they need to explain how Candyland works before their three-year-old can play it. But parents don't usually recognize that the same approach implemented in a way that's appropriate for a child's age and stage, they don't usually understand how this can solve countless little issues that arise daily with young children. What would be one of those? Well, for example, if you prepare your child in advance for how to use markers so that you know you don't get marker on the wall, on the table, on their clothes, markers aren't left open on the carpet, when she gets them out, you'll no longer have that sick feeling inside wondering oh my God, what you're going to have. <laughs> right. Right? right? Instead, you prepare her in advance. You, you show her in a simple way. You set up basically an activity that um, limits and defines her, uh, what, what she can do with the markers. So this is how they're used, honey. The the cap goes back on afterwards, and you demonstrate it, and you write on the whiteboard, not on the, um, or if it's paper on the paper, you know, not on the walls, just on the paper. And so you prepare her in advance. Exactly. And, and all the way through the cleanup. The yeah. cleanup becomes part of your child's activity. It's not for you to do later. You're not her servant. But you do it in a way that's, um, appropriate for her age and her state. So instead of, will you clean the stuff up, you leave everything out, you're such a slob. Yeah, or fuming as you do it. Right. Oh, I always have to do this. I can't stand it. The toys are everywhere. Instead, I notice in the Montessori schools, the kids will play with an activity on their little rug. They each have their own independent rug. And then they put it away <laughs> nicely yeah. before they go to the next activity. Now, that requires 
a, a teacher, or in your case, if you're, you're do using it as parenting, um, as a parenting skill, to prepare your child in advance that that's how things are done in a very loving way, not in a, and this is how things are done way. It, exactly. And yeah. it, it's also, what is also a part of that puzzle is having the home environment, the way the rooms are um, organized, those have to be thought through in a certain way that's appropriate for young kids. So another one of your tips is nip problems in the bud. Yes. And that, talk a little bit about that, because that's what we're talking about. Well, nipping problems in the bud is definitely something of a learned skill. Hey, I got to interrupt this because we've got to pay some bills. 30 seconds, that's it. A very quick ad, and then Alan will be back. Romance. Oh, I wish guys knew more about what we want from a relationship. <laughs> Boy, I wish I knew more about what I want. Where's that ad I saw? Ah, uh, here it is. The Selfish Path to Romance. A serious romance guidebook. Download Chapter 1 for free at SelfishRomance.com and buy it at Amazon.com. Hmm, the selfish path to romance. That is interesting. Well, nipping problems in the bud is definitely something of a learned skill. Over time and by making mistakes, you can start to see negative patterns that develop with your child, but that started from the smallest, seemingly most inconsequential actions. And nipping problems in the bud is a way is in a way like developing a a sort of a third eye for so, these insidious beginnings. So I've had parents that have said, my kid always wants to sleep in my bed, and I can't get my daughter out of her be- my bed. Mm-hmm. And that would be one where, how would you nip the problem in the bud? Well, you'd have, uh, you'd have Before, to... Before, let's just say it's just starting. My daughter's got a cold. She get, I think you had a situation like yes, this. Yes, I did. And your daughter gets into bed with you or you get into bed with her. Then she wants it every single night because it's so warm and cozy. It sure How do you is. nip it in the bud? Yeah, it sure is. And you, you want to communicate. I think it's very important to communicate a loving response, not one that is um, abandonment. Or rejecting. Or right? rejection. But that you, there, there, you draw the line at certain things. Now, personally, I don't take my child into bed with me. I go into her bed. Yeah. That's a big difference, I think. Um, and then from that, it's just through repeated action. Children will repeat until they are certain that you mean what you say and you say what you mean. So if you break down, I've had parents that say, oh my gosh, I've had 10 free days. My daughter has not been in bed with me or my son has not been in bed with me. And then they'll say, oh, but they started up again. Yeah. <laughs> and it's really the parents needing to, and I just gave in. You know, it was a rainy day outside and he, he wasn't feeling so good. So I said, come on in bed, honey. Well, and yeah. it's really the parents not being consistent that creates the problem because then the kid knows that they can keep trying. Exactly, yes. You Children are something like, you know, somewhat gamblers. They'll, they'll see, can they win this time? Right, right. So if you're consist, if you consistently pull that lever and nothing comes out, I'm not, yeah. neither of us are gamblers, but do nothing comes out, then they're not going to keep pulling the lever. Whereas if occasionally you you get a big hit, they're going to keep pulling that lever. Very good analogy. Uh, what about your your tip of begin as you mean to go on? I know we're down to the last minute or so. Well, beginning as you mean to go on really simply means to start off right. 
And in order to do that, you have to have a sense of what right is for you and your family. So I talk about having a vision of what you want at home and for your children and keeping that in mind so that you can be consistent and set the precedent. So to do some pre-thinking. And can you give a quick example of begin as you mean to go on? Um, Well, I think that many parents excuse behavior of young children because of their age, and then they often end up endorsing or encouraging negative behaviors that at first seem fine. Oh, she's only one. It's okay. She'll grow out of it. She throws food. That's normal. And then it, yeah. But you, you, I think you have to have a long-term perspective. So you don't want her throwing food from the beginning. You don't want to giggle and laugh when she throws it across the floor or across the room. You want to get across that it's, it's not okay to throw at the table, but you give her opportunities for experimenting. With throwing things. Exactly. A ball or something. Times. Right. And with me is Cornelia Lockage, and you have a website, www.guideyourchild.com. You are a parenting coach, and people can call you, schools can, or community leaders can call you and invite you to come in as a speaker. Yeah. And you have free information on parenting at your website. Again, it's www.guideyourchild.com. And you also have a newsletter. I do. It comes out every two weeks, and it's a way for parents to find out more about my Guide Your Child Montessori Influenced Method of Parenting. And it's all free. It's all free. So I welcome you to visit that website, guideyourchild.com. And thank you so much for joining us today, Cornelia. Thank you. And I'm Dr. Ellen Kenner, and you can visit my website too, drkenner.com, D-R-K-E-N-N-E-R.com on the rational basis of happiness. See you again next week. For more Dr. Kenner podcast, go to drkenner.com and please listen to this ad. Here's an excerpt from The Selfish Path to Romance, the serious romance guidebook by clinical psychologist Dr. Ellen Kenner. A mood is an enduring emotional state. A chronically sullen, anxious, or hostile partner is unromantic, not very lovable. Sometimes moods may be partly or wholly out of your control. For instance, those caused by hormones, a thyroid problem, or by an adverse medication reaction. Most bad moods, however, are caused by your subconscious ideas. You can introspect to understand and regulate them. Your bad moods may sometimes be the cause of your partner's bad mood. For example, you may hate your job and come home to your partner in a cranky, sarcastic mood every night, which puts your partner in an equally negative mood. Once you clarify the cause of your mood and explain it to your partner, you can come up with a better strategy to deal with the work problem. You can download Chapter 1 for free by going to drkenner.com and you can buy the book at amazon.com.